where the drinks are bitter and the memories are sweet. Welcome back to Liquid Gold. Shout out to our producer, Michael Eads. We're here and we're in a another dimension of seasons. We're in between seasons. We're in like a fourth dimension between our... We actually lost count on seasons. I think we're between three and four. The fourth season will kick off our books and booze programming. And we've got Alice Randall tapped for our premiere episode. And just looking forward to that, like you wouldn't believe, just a hero of ours. And so really looking forward to kicking things off with Alice Randall next week or the week after. We'll see. Follow us at liquidgold underscore pod on Instagram. My name's Mike Wolf, your host today. And I've got a little intro before we get into our Negroni Week programming. We are re-airing what was apparently a really popular episode for us. So we wanted to get it back out there. It's Negroni Week here in the States and uh, here in Nashville. And Memphis, I've noticed there's tons going on in Memphis, but here in Nashville, where we are based, there's so much going on, and we're going to talk to Mr. John Howard over at the Continental, bar director over there, who's got a Negroni experience going on at the bar there that is super cool. We're going to hear from him in just a minute here, and uh, just know that the episode after that with Kenneth and I was recorded last year, so our references may be a little dated. We're still drinking Negronis, we're still loving Negronis, so... One of the key elements of the Negroni, vermouth. And my vermouth, garden to glass vermouth that I made with Tyler over at Love and Exile Wines. Tyler and I have been making different elixirs and and vermouths and putting things into barrels over there at Love and Exile and having some fun over the last year or so. So we're uh, getting set to release our first vermouth, the garden to glass dry rosé vermouth, which will be available here. So keep an eye out around bars around town here over the next few weeks. And um, getting really excited about that. So keep an eye on that. Let's call him up right now, Mr. John Howard. Let's get him on the phone. Negroni has become a popular cocktail here in Nashville over the years. We've all seen it just grow. And got a very special uh, bartender, mixologist, bar director, spirits (laughs) connoisseur on the line. Mr. John Howard bar director hey, at the Continental and Audrey, and uh, we're about to be um, doing what people always tell you not to do, which is to reinvent the wheel when you're starting 100%. a new bar program. So we've <laughs> we've made some jokes about that, so we're getting excited for Audrey. But uh, mm-hmm. you've got a very special experience going on at the Continental, which is at 1000 Broadway, directly across from the Frist and the uh, Union Station Hotel. So beautiful mm-hmm. views out those grand windows. Um, but you're going to be doing the Negroni experience at the special little bar there. So tell me what you got going yeah. on this week. So we've got about this really cool seven seat bar so as soon as you walk in, which is separate from the 17 seat main bar with dining. Uh, and this is the first time we're really going to activate that that area of the restaurant and i wanted to kind of like do a a sort of negroni tasting experience to give people multiple options because people can sometimes go in and they they might have time for one or two negronis but they want to taste everything um and given there's only seven seats i said well why not do smaller portions and let everybody have everything so the, the first thing, you know, you are given a little amuse, um, just something to wet your palate while you kind of look over what's going to happen, allow me to get things ready. Uh-huh. And then it's actually a flight of Negronis. Um, three, well, I'll say Negroni, they're in the Negroni family. So there's a Negroni, uh, there's a Spagliato style drink, and then a Boulevardier style drink as well. Each of them are going to come with little tastes that will accentuate each drink differently so you can mix and match and and try different combinations and then you know we'll clear that up and then just you get this really cool little sweet treat it's a canel it's a campari and you know basically negroni ice cream that's in a little canel this is a bite-sized ice cream that's kind of like one of those good humor bars when you were a kid whoa Uh, and they're really tasty oh they're really tasty just with the little side of bubbles and say thanks for coming in oh that's great and you finish it up with little bubbles just to say hey yeah Send you on your merry way. For sure. That's great, man. Um, so t- can you tell me about this? Um, I've heard, you know, rumors and I've seen a few things <laughs> on Instagram. You put a Negroni into a coconut? I did. Well, actually, it was a Boulevardier. I needed the, that's the, ABV. the Boulevardier. Yeah, yeah, I needed the ABV to, to pull out as much of the fats from the coconuts as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's a Wild Turkey 101 Rye a you know campari and then sweet vermouth that i actually infused that entire drink with cocoa nib before i put it in the coconut 
So you're going to have this like cocoa nib Negroni that's then coconut aged. So it's literally just sitting inside a coconut. In fact, at the at the bar, I'm going to pour it directly out of the coconut into a jigger and into a glass before uh, stirring. So it'll be a cool little uh, talking piece. Wow. Um, yeah, I actually, this is not something I created. My my, my dear friend, uh, Chris Lauder, who is running, um, oh my God, Charles, Charles S. Charles S. Charles, it's really great ball, bar in Seoul in the, in the Four Seasons. He, he was running that bar and he was coconut aging Manhattans. And I was like, well, that's brilliant. And wow. so I started to. To, to play around with that idea uh, and I haven't really done it like on a full production scale because I can imagine it takes, you know, it, and I can, you know, I'll tell you, it does take quite a lot of coconuts to, to get through a night service. So I'm just going to do about a quick little 24 hour rest or age with a high proof whiskey, which is going to, you know, give me enough of what I need, mm-hmm. um, but enough so I can get through the week. There's only seven seats. So it's not like I'm having to worry about, you know, the masses, but it's, it's a cool little, uh, a cool little thing I'm excited to get to do. Do you get the liquid in there by like drilling? Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's actually the, our, um, our lead sous chef is from Hawaii and he actually has a thing that would have done it for me. However, I'm just drilling a whole other thing and then using a wine cork. So a lot less rustic than what he probably has up his sleeve. But yeah, I just, I do it. I take the, the water out. I drink the water, uh, yeah. I put a funnel in put in the, the Negroni, pop it, and then just let it sit. Mm, that's, Easy that peasy. sounds delicious. Yeah. That's great, man. So um, can you tell me about a few of the other – so you're doing the Spagliato, which is like so the – Champagne-based, mm-hmm. basically. So, um, you know, mistake is what it's called, the idea that somebody grabbed a you know, champagne bottle or Prosecco bottle more specifically instead of gin. Um, I'm calling it Spagliato because it's fully alcoholic, but it's not exactly – Prosecco in there, so it's it's Campari, a Loganberry liqueur, um, a Genesian Amaro, some Seedlip Grove, mm. and then it's just kind of been you know charged. So I, I'm using a soda siphon. Um, I was gonna try to actually ferment the entire thing, but it didn't it didn't take it enough time. Mm-hmm. Sad enough, but it's still really delicious. I'm just giving it a charge, so it's gonna be effervescent and pressurized, um, but fully alcoholic. Uh, it's got really cool red berry flavors and, and some slight some slight sweetness with some good bitterness. Um, that one's like oh, oh it's got cookie cookie uh, Barolo Chinato. That's sort of the oh, yes. style uh, portion of it. That's great. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about that one. That one's really good. So and tell me the about, last one. Oh yeah, go ahead. Your oh, last just one. The last one's the Negroni. Um, yeah. I just you know took base Negroni, diluted it down with a sort of like a winter spiced water. So the, the dilutant actually had, you know, is giving some complexity to the drink and then infuse the entire thing with white needle, mm. which is generally a white tea, mm-hmm. which has a really sort of like calming, soft, round, herbaceous quality. And then just put that in the freezer to sit overnight. So we're going to have a, a really thick sort of viscous, unctuous Negroni pour right out of the freezer. Excellent. Sounds like a good like seasonal kind of transitional cocktail as well. Exactly, as, as and you nights. know because I'm 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 serving it as a flight, so you're going to get all three at once. I think that all three are going to give you different things in terms of temperature, qualities, and 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 you know just general experience to play with in all ways. Because the I didn't mention it, the the Spagliato style drink is a room temp drink, uh, which I know is not the, the most people haven't really got in to that as much but if you think about red wine and all the characteristics of it but it's it's actually a room temp drink so you're gonna have three different you're gonna frozen cold and then room temp and then straight out of a coconut and then yeah straight <laughs> that one's gonna actually get that one's actually gonna get diluted and chilled so sure. that one will be chilled but not frozen that's uh, great but yeah straight out of a coconut <laughs> wow um yeah t- tell me a little bit about um just in your career because this is something that kenneth and i um that we get into in the episode that we're about to re-air here, just about like when we started hearing about Negronis and how the Negroni, what it represented for us working in restaurants, bars in restaurants, and then just cocktail bars, but how it represented this sort of changing of the guard where people started to look at the drinking experience and the dining experience differently. And they started to look at it as more of more like Italian culture where like you have this drink to start your night out or to start out the, you know, your whole kind of experience going to multiple places and having dinner and going to bars and the the Negroni 
really represented something. And then on the flip side, it represented something for service industry people where it was like, you know, you could you could get off of work and a lot of service industry people were have drinking Negronis because it was like yeah. starting up their night. So tell me about how you were introduced to it and how, you know, what's your Negroni experience been like through through your career? So I am not too proud to say that the first Negroni that I ever heard of, I was behind the bar at BLT Steak in New York, and I had just I had poured drinks in college, and I kind of lied about being able to bartend. Um, I, I knew the thought of it, but I kind of I kind of lied, uh-huh. uh, but I I caught on quick, and they let me get behind the bar. And I remember I was behind the bar, and somebody there was a Negroni on a, on a service ticket. I went to the bartender. I was like, "What's a Negroni?" And they told me. And sure enough, I put all the things in the cup, and I shook the fucking shit out of this thing. I'm not <laughs> an inch of its life. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, honestly, I did that, and then you know, it kind of later on, the beverage director was, "Hey, so about that?" And then <laughs> it became a thing I, I kind of learned. But I, when I started actually working with Niren Young uh, at La Quinta Verde, and you know, Niren eventually went on to do Dante, which sells a Negroni or two. Um, yeah, incredible Italian-focused. It, 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 oh, um, oh, man. Titan a, mountain a, a, of beverage. Negroni menu. Like, yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, yeah. But one of the first drinks Naren just kind of, like, demoed for me or, or wanted me to appreciate was the Negroni. And we were in La Conda Verde. It was an Italian place. Andrew Carmelini was a chef. What year was and, that? And, oh, God. That was, Jesus, twenty. 12 okay ish sure maybe yeah. i don't even remember at this yeah. point but so he kind of told me about the nuance and that and that drink was how Niren explained balance to me because it's you know it's like one 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 it's you know he likes to do one three quarter three quarter because he likes it to be a little more gin forward mm-hmm. um but that's how he kind of like taught me to appreciate appreciate balance that's cool and then i, I go in like throughout my career you know i you know, I love to, you know, the foundations of cocktails are, are classics or are base, you know, the, the, the Negroni family, the Daisy family, all that. Mm-hmm. And or I can't remember ever really putting a Negroni variation of any type on an actual menu. Mm-hmm. Not because I didn't appreciate the, appreciate the drink, but because I think that, well, you know, I would do it for events and stuff like that to get cheeky. But I just think the Negroni is such a, a perfect balanced sort of symbol about hey you can put 94 things in a glass but these three things in equal parts is one of the most complex things you're ever going to drink sure in your life and so you know wanting to be a bastion for for people that understand spirits and not throw way too much in a glass or understand that there you know what you can get out of of the spirits that we have at our disposal and the minutia of those things Mm-hmm. It, it, it is this thing that, that I've really tried to hammer home with people that it is this perfect thing to to itself because it's three ingredients, but the gin can change, the vermouth can change. And oh, yeah. both of those things change, and it's a wildly different drink. You know, there's more vermouth out there than Comparno Antica, as good as it is, because, I, I mean, I drink it on the rocks, but there's so much vermouth out there. Yeah, There's so many opportunities to, to change people's idea, ideals about this drink by just giving them the drink. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that's great because that's really what we got into. Um, as you'll hear later in this episode is we really got into how swapping out different gins and different vermouths and still keeping that template, you can have a whole host of different flavors and you speak to the complexity of it, which is, which is great because, um, later on we'll get into how there could be as many as a hundred ingredients in a Negroni. Because of the way that the, the spirits are made. Right, because of, you know, it, all the ingredients in Campari, all the ingredients in oh. a sweet vermouth, and all the ingredients in a gin. Um, exactly. It's, uh, that's, that really makes it kind of fascinating when you break it down. Yeah, well, because even in spirits in general, or, or creation, you can always tell somebody who's really been doing this for a minute, mm-hmm. a while, when they start to like dissect the base spirit, when they go, okay, I, I want to work with this spirit, and they dissect that spirit because that spirit itself has got hundreds of flavors. So if you can sit there and get a hundred flavors out of this whiskey, why do you need or or gin or or how Campari? Why do you need to throw another nine things on top of it when it's already complex as is? How sure. do you find ways 
to accentuate all those flavors. And with the Negroni specifically, how all of those flavors from all three of those ingredients play on each other so incredibly well. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's the greatest cocktail, that and the martini. It's hard for me to not love the martini, but those two, like the, the Negroni, just those three ingredients in equal parts just absolutely harmonize mm. in such great ways from their just base structures and what they're made with. It's it's just it's a you know what I mean yeah it's probably the most iconic cocktail um, for craft bartenders I would say for sure. It's sort of like the cocktail of the t the two thousand tens I feel like oh, or whatever yeah, we're gonna call that decade because it really we we started to hear about service industry people really wanting it and drinking it in the early part of that last decade. And then by the end of it, you know, it's like Negroni Week is this crazy thing. It's on the cover of Imbibe every year, and a million bars all over the country are, are doing Negronis. So it's pretty cool. And, and getting to raise the money, that's a, that's a thing, too, being able to give back. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and them sort of spearheading this to help people is 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 rad. Like my, my first year doing Negroni Week, in Nashville, I worked with CORE, and, and they do some really good stuff. And now we're this year we're working with uh, the Roots Fund and Patchwork. I'm getting to work with, with both of those guys. So you can find them on Instagram, and they have fed over 100,000 people over the last year. The Roots Fund is at therootsfund.org, created to nourish and enrich the lives of communities of color in the wine community. And uh, they help with wine education, mentorship, job placement, um, you can get onto rootsfund.org, therootsfund.org, and you can donate and you can get involved there. So very cool cause. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that's great. So check that out at the Continental, 1000 Broadway, right there downtown. And a lot of great people watching out those windows and a lot of amazing cocktails yeah. from my man. Watching. <laughs> and that starts today. That is Wednesday. And uh, this will go through Sunday. There at the Continental, and the Negroni experience starts at 6 p.m. Um, mm -hmm. all this week. Last sittings at nine, yeah. Last sittings at nine. I'll be the one actually doing it. It'll be be back there making drinks, which will be fun. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll get you back on right, to talk uh, hotel drinks, and then we'll we'll break <laughs> down some crazy stuff with Audrey eventually Let, here. Hell yeah, let's do that. All right, brother. All right, brother. Take care. All right, thanks so much to John Howard for joining us and talking about his Negroni experience going on at the Continental. Check that out this week. Now we're going to turn things over to our episode from last year. Just so you know, there's not going to be, there'll be no topical news in here that uh, is, any, is of any relevance. This was a year ago. So what you're not going to hear about in this episode is the uh, California recount. You're not going to hear about... Trump possibly using nukes on China in his last days to the point where General Milley thought Trump had declined mentally and was so worried about him that he called China himself. You won't hear about that. You won't hear about the downfall of MTV and you won't hear about Dunkin Donuts opening a digital only restaurant. You won't hear about tourists smoking toad venom in a hipster resort town of Tulum, you won't hear about how overeating doesn't cause obesity anymore, and you won't hear about Elon Musk confirming on Twitter that there are UFOs, and you won't hear about Rest in Peace, one of our heroes and uh, a real just incredible figure in the world of comedy, Norm MacDonald, one of our favorites over here at Liquid Gold, very special human being, has passed on. Rest in peace, rest in power, Mr. Norm MacDonald. Gave us so much to laugh about over the years and was just an incredible talent, an incredible mind. Without further ado, let's turn things over to the Negroni episode from last year, right here on Liquid Gold. Welcome back to Liquid Gold. All right. This is a show where the grasses are <laughs> knolled, the walks are strolled, and the liquid is gold. Welcome to a very special edition of liquid gold this is our 50th episode right what? here yeah that's right buddy somebody got a new microphone oh yeah you sound lovely mr kenneth Dedman. this is a podcast about beverage right here on the we own this town network we own this town.net my name is mike wolf your host today along with my co-host kenneth Dedman is my name and we're just hoping this works yeah welcome welcome 
I'm basically in the closet. Theater of the mind. What's it's up? only fitting that uh, here we are, uh, 50th episode of Liquid Gold. We're super excited because we finally decided for, and why don't you join me for this, Kenneth, because this is a full mashup. It's time to do a very special and the last edition of the Summer of Shots, but welcome to Shots. 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 Shots, anyone? It's Shots, baby. The Summer of Shots 2020, and this is the last episode that we're doing uh, of the Summer of Summer of Shots, and it is the Negroni. The time was finally right for us to tackle one of our favorite drinks. It's crazy we haven't done it before. If we have, go ahead and email us, liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. That's liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. That's at liquidgold underscore pod. So, Kenneth, I don't believe we've done Negroni, have we? I think we've alluded to it. and um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, like, like we have talked about it at some point, but I don't know, 50 episodes. Psh, I don't remember, right? dude. A lot of episodes, you know, like we we were towards the end of the day and we had great conversation and like we kind of just like if, if we talked about a Negroni, I don't remember it. I'm sure we have. I'm very positive we have. Um, I'm sure we've given a few recipes here and there. I think we, we did a Boulevardier one time for sure. How would you describe the Boulevardier's relationship to the Negroni? It's like a grown-up Negroni. It's kind of like the, after you've been through the Negroni and you've been through the Manhattan and you're still going to cocktail bars, that would know what that drink was. Because that's part of the thing about the Negroni over the years is a lot of places didn't know what it was. Or you'd have to say like, well, you know, it's equal parts of gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. And you still might not know what you might be getting back. But the Boulevardier was like the pros Negroni, I suppose. What pros drink when they're not drinking, when they're not writing pros? Nowadays, it's kind of a staple. It's one of your first five drinks. First five drinks that a cocktail bartender must know because depending on the time of year, you're going to be making a lot of them. Yeah, and they're not really, there's seasonal ways to do it, but it's not technically a, a seasonal drink or anything because people order it all times of the year. We're going to dive into it. Let me let me real quick just say negroniweek.com. Go, go there, negroniweek.com, super easy. Negroni is spelled N-E-G-R-O-N-I. That's negroniweek.com. That's where you can find out where you can help um, support the cause. If you want to help support your friends and neighbors in the hospitality business, they're doing a lot this year to support those in the industry. And Campari is matching a lot of those donations. So check that out. You can go to Imbibe's website and you can go to negroniweek.com. Check that out. And speaking of helping out your fellow friends and neighbors and some of our comrades in the industry, there's a new ebook that I did with Turner Publishing. Kenneth is in there as well. Love to have your healthy. It's one of the only healthy cocktails that's ever been a, in a cocktail book, I would imagine, Kenneth. Thanks, Mike. But it's uh, Lost Spring, How We Cocktailed Through Crisis. It's available on Amazon. You can put it on your Kindle. You can go to turnerpublishing.com to order it as well. But uh, $6.99, it's the price of a happy hour drink, super accessible. It's a really raw document with recipes from over 50 different Nashville area bartenders and beyond. We've got some great contributors from cocktail scenes that we loved in in Chicago, New York City, all over. Minneapolis. Name drop, dude. Name drop someone. Come on. Well, Adrienne Stoner, one of my favorites. She has a great name as well. But... um, she was a bartender at Lost Lake doing the tiki thing. Oh, my gosh. The cat just jumped in. We had her in service at Husk one night and kind of made the connection there. Saw her at Lost Lake. Also had really mutual appreciation of music. She's a phenomenal bartender who has a great recipe in there. And there's just incredible bartenders. Alexis Solar's in there. Jamie White. Um, our buddy Nick Thaxon. Patrick Goodspeed did the playlist. Um, shout out, the playlist, shout out, shout out. It's, it's a quadruple shout-out. The playlist you can find on Spotify, Disintegration, the official playlist for Lost Spring, and we'll be posting all that on our Instagram, liquidgold underscore pod. All right, a lot of housekeeping that we got out of the way. 50th episode, it's Woo. Negroni time, it's Negroni week, 
And this is a cocktail that is so much up our alley that it was a drink we would have after work sometimes. It was a, it was a way for us to restart the night in a way and restart our day in a way because it's a timely cocktail. And I think one of the things you can say about the Negroni, which makes it so incredible, is the fact that it's, it's basically a society-changing cocktail because of the way that you're supposed to insert this cocktail into your day right around the happy hour, time for Americans, but aperitivo hour, aperitif hour in France. And we've talked about that on the show here, how that's just such a beautiful thing about these drinks. They're to be drank at a certain time of day, in a certain circumstance, before dinner, to stimulate the appetite. But what I have seen from the first time I really started seeing people ordering Negronis in bars when I was bartending, this was 2008. I got laid off from my job in radio, started bartending again, started learning about the Negroni. What the hell is this Negroni that all the people in the restaurant business here in Denver order? It was only restaurant people that ordered it then, and so that's why all of us learned it. And we thought it was just incredible because once you start developing your palate for cocktails and for food, and you taste one of these things, which potentially has Mm -hmm. up to 70 to 80 to 100 botanicals, in your cocktail it is utterly fascinating so i'm so stoked it's episode 50 and we're covering this i want to drink 50 negronis right now mike did i just make you salivate for negronis i'm ready ready uh when did you start making negronis and like drinking them and you know have that be part of your 2008 it wasn't part of my repertoire i i had had them before i had an italian roommate in college and uh he was a smart-ass Italian, of course. and The Italian roommate is a cocktail. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like you <laughs> hand a Negroni to someone and punch him in the face. <laughs> uh, uh, if we've gone this far and you didn't recall the recipe that uh, we talked about earlier about equal parts, basically the Negroni is a beautiful one ounce of gin, preferably a London dry in, the, in, this, in this case, but also have to mention the American craft style with like a ton of ingredients in it or a focused gin like our friends at Cathead Distillery, the Bristow gin with the peppery, I always say the peppery lemon goodness. Um, lemon verbena is something they use in that gin. Dude, it's and, a delicious uh, gin. And, great uh, gin. So any of the, uh, I feel like any of the herbaceous American craft gins are great for the Negroni. London Dry would be great as well. But uh, one ounce of gin. One ounce of Campari, which we're going to talk a lot about Campari, and one ounce of sweet vermouth. And for me, the vermouth is a big thing. The vermouth can really change this drink. For me, it's always, and I've come to this through like mixing different vermouths, but for me now, always it's Dolan sweet vermouth, Dolan Rouge, French vermouth, very herbaceous, has a nice mellow quality to it. For me, if you use the Italian vermouths, Cocchi Torino would be best for me. Um, cause I love that chocolatey goodness. Yeah, now, if, you're making chocolatey, a RDA, sure. if you're making a Boulevardier, I'd say go Cokie Torino all the way. Incredible. But if you're making a Negroni with the gin, sweet vermouth, Campari, I really like the French sweet vermouth style. It's more herbaceous. It really lends a nice compliment to all the flavors. Uh, for me, Carpano and Punta Mess, which I do believe if you're going to go next level and you add a tiny bit of, of Punta Mess along with some French sweet vermouth you have a really amazing cocktail but the thing about to go like deep on it the thing about the sweet vermouth is if you use really intense and flavorful and just incredibly delicious admittedly uh, italian sweet vermouth sometimes it's just too much flavor and it'll overwhelm the gin it'll overwhelm the campari and it's really supposed to be a drink that you sit and you're outside and you're thinking about the night. You're thinking about the day you had. It's like this transition. And that's what's amazing is it encapsulates a moment in time where you are transitioning from the daytime into the nighttime. And it's not dinner yet, but it's not lunch and it's not party time. It's just time to sit and think, talk to your friends, be outside that's what the whole Italian tradition of this drink is about. And that is incredible because that is a tradition that came to the United States and you and I have seen it slowly permeate into the culture here. We're talking about 
drinking culture changing overall culture and it's it's been slow but it's we're, we've definitely seen a lot of change with the way people drink what they're drinking and how that factors into a meal and the the negroni is such a huge part of it it's incredible which leads us to the most important ingredient in the negroni campari liqueur do you want to start with it yeah oh my yeah gosh I mean, there's so much to go over here, and I think it's important that we really do that we really do hone in on Campari a little bit here. It's worth mentioning that with all these incredible, from Don Ciccio, from Fourth Ave, all these incredible spirit makers now in the, in the United States who, who really have, actually, we thought it was like a joke years ago that, oh, they're not going to be making Campari in America. They're not going to be making bitter orange spirits in America. Well, they are, and they're making some incredible stuff. But we've got to talk about Campari. It's 160 years old. It's so vital to, obviously, it's, it's essential if you're talking about a Negroni. But it's also vital in terms of cocktail culture and the culture of aperitivo and having a little something bitter, cold, on the rocks, or with a little bit of soda before you're going to eat. It's a bitter. So that's the kind of the category that it's in. Campari's a bitter. The flavor being um, oranges, maybe gentian root, and then all these other rumored ingredients into it. But we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about in terms of the um, etymology, the possible recipe. So Canoto being one uh, variety, this is the myrtle-leaved orange, and it's a species of citrus with a foliage similar to that of the common myrtle. It's a compact tree. It has small leaves and no thorns, and it grows to about a height of around three meters, found in Malta, Libya, in the south of France, and Italy. And this is a very important tree and ingredient to Italian drinking culture. So that's kind of the orange element that we're talking about that's so prevalent in Campari. The bitter element, which many have thought over the years, because the recipe is a closely guarded secret, as it should be for all these beautiful Italian elixirs. But one of the one of the plants and ingredients for Campari that is not talked about a ton but is very crucial to the flavor and the, I don't know if we can say health benefits, we might get the FBI like knocking on our door, is the cascarilla plant. All right, this is uh, from, the, from the genus Croton, which sounds like it's from the X-Files or from Star Trek. But Croton Eleutheria, it's native to the Caribbean. And as we talk about with Angostura bitters, with obviously rum and sugarcane-derived spirits, a lot of the beautiful drinks we love still have ingredients and roots in the West Indies, the Caribbean. It's been naturalized in other tropical regions of the America. It grows to be a small tree or shrub. It, it reaches around 10 feet sometimes as high as 20 feet. And the flavor of this thing is hard to describe because it's a flavor pretty uh, uncommon to flavors that you would mix into West Indian cuisine and that you would you would think of, you would associate with the islands. Cascarilla bark and the tincture are used to flavor Campari and also Italian vermouth. So somehow in the spice trade, this... Croton Eleutheria, or Cascarilla Bark, (laughs) (laughs) made its way into the flavor wheel and is a crucial flavor because it's the bitterness mixed with a little bit of spice, almost like rhubarb, how rhubarb like kind of hints at spice but doesn't really go there, so you add spices to it. Similar to the season we're in now, which is almost fall, people are talking about pumpkin spice, We've talked about how it's persimmon spice, which we're going to get into on a future episode. But these flavors that yield themselves to spice, the key possibly, what we believe is the key flavor of Campari is from the West Indies. And it really suggests all these other flavors where Campari did the genius thing. This is a a liqueur invented in 1860 by Gaspare Campari in Novara, Italy, all right, 1860. He was a sort of a chemist, but also sort of a bartender. The original coloring that they were using for this, which lasted for many, 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 many years, carmine dye, 
which is uh, derived from crushed cochineal insects, which give the drink its distinctive red color. This is just from the Wikipedia of Campari. Sure, yeah. Um, Those were uh, actually indigenous to the Americas. So um, we definitely needed needed to figure out the world was not flat to begin with. <laughs> and then get That's these good. products and bring them back to the Mediterranean. But so Campari's flavors and key th- the key things about it really reside from the West Indies, which, goddamn, you can almost say everything derives from the West Indies in terms of what we drink, how we drink it. If you're going to consider that Angostura bitters are in the old fashioned and are in the Manhattan, On these the are rocks. foundational. Yeah, <laughs> as we do, just straight drink your Angostura after too much pasta. So this uh, this use of the insects to color Campari was uh, discontinued. In 2006, so relatively recently, they discontinued the use of the, the use of the uh, insects. And we want to be clear here: we don't think that they were like putting insect juice into your Campari. This was just a way that uh, the the dye was derived, and was potentially more natural of a way of doing it than whatever they're doing now. But uh, uh, I believe a lot of uh, velvet is actually uh, originally dyed with the same the same bug. Incredible. It's definitely one of my favorite cocktails. It's a cocktail I drank a lot. I think one of the reasons I haven't had is I haven't been in a restaurant much, and I haven't been at bars much. And it was the kind of drink that if you were at, if you were about to have a big dinner and you were like, oh, let's all meet in the bar beforehand, five thirty, or let's meet at the bar downstairs before we go upstairs to rest to the to the restaurant, or let's meet at this bar before we go out. That's a that's a woo. That's a lovely civilized way to live. And people aren't really living that way now, but that's that's the really the ideal time for a Negroni. I'm about to go have dinner with friends. I'm about to have a big dinner, and that's just been rare. But uh, the thing about it that I think is incredible and, and speaks to how popular it became with foodies and people with people who, I guess, enjoy eating out and enjoy like being taken care of in the restaurant setting mm. is it has so much flavor. In one drink. And it's like we talked about, like, there might be, I don't know how many ingredients in Campari. Could be about 20. Um, could be, like, 12. Who knows? In this sweet vermouth in Dolan, which I use for this one, 18 ingredients or so. The gin. So, for for mine right here, I've got Bristow gin. They, they've told us about, like, three or four of the ingredients that are really important to it. And then you got to figure there's 8 to 12 other ones just that they feel like is not necessarily... Uh, necessary to tell guys like us, but uh, it's a drink that's got potentially dozens of botanicals in it, and so it can be super complex, all the while being this drink that you're just supposed to sit there and contemplate what you're about to have for dinner. I am completely on board. I have been an angel. What's the the word? I've been an apostle for the Negroni. What have I been? An uh, advocate? Uh, uh, Suppose I've been an advocate for the Negroni. Diplomat. A diplomat, yeah. And the use of salt... In these Negroni variations and also in a Negroni can teach you a lot about making drinks and teach you a lot about how salt can play a really huge role in your cocktails because in a Negroni, it's not like you'd want to taste the salt. It's such a tiny amount that it's going to tame the bitterness a little bit. It's going to tame the sweetness of the sweet vermouth and it's going to integrate everything and make the overall drink more delicious. So... Not to get off subject too much, but adding salt to your cocktail repertoire or your beverage repertoire, period, will help you with your salting of your food as well. Just a little bit goes a long way. Talking about Negronis and talking about Campari, salt's a big big thing to talk about in terms of making drinks at home or, you know, sort of that next level of, I guess, can we say it because we don't have jobs, the mixology component of it. Salt is something that's going to really change the flavor of Campari for you in a drink and really bring out a lot of the subtleties of it and tame some of the sweetness and the bitterness of it. So I think that's a really and it also good... Hits, it also hits on just playing up one other receptor in your mouth. So you got just like explosion of flavor. I don't know. I don't know what and else I, you can... Yeah, could. and I would, say, I would say if you're toying around with salt at home with cocktails... Add it so that it's in such a small amount that you notice the difference. So it's straw test what you're making, taste what you're making. Add a tiny bit of salt, tiny pinch, few granules, couple drops of saline, however you want to do it. 
and see what it does to your drink without tasting it. Once you start to really taste the salt in a drink and you're talking about maybe a salty tequila drink or some sort of culinary cocktail you're trying to make that is bringing out the savory quality of it, you might have too much salt at that point. You got to be careful. So it's the kind of ingredient that you're using in a cocktail that you don't necessarily want to taste. You want to taste what it does to the other ingredients. That's what I think is the key to using salt in cocktails. And salt and Campari, yes, if we haven't said it, is just incredible. It's an incredible experiment to do. How's this? Like the Negroni, it's like a pillow. The salt is a pillowcase. That's nice. That's lovely. <laughs> That's nice. Um, okay, really I gotta run. Let's run through some there. random. Let's run through run through some random things about Campari and the Negroni. So we talked about Cascarilla Bark potentially being in our minds, in our research, because it's all secret. It's all secret. But for us, what we know about botanicals and flavors, Cascarilla, and then whatever they're they're doing with the orange, that's probably what the secret is. There's potentially rhubarb, potentially some ginger in uh, in Campari. Another rhubarb, thing, ginger, yeah, like. Uh... Something that is incredible, Campari really played into the futurism movement that became so inspirational and such a fixture of Italian society. In the uh, 1920s, there's a great book that Koki put out about it, about futurism and cocktails. But an example of Campari mingling with futurism is evident today in a bottle of Campari soda. This is Campari and soda. This is one of the most simple ways to drink Campari. Well, there's a bottled version of this, and it's the same bottle. This is You need to be in Italy, I suppose, to experience this. Maybe there's a few Italian markets in New York City who have it. Message us, let us know, or we can get some, or just send us some, and we'll Venmo you. But uh, it's Campari soda. It's a bottled glass bottle soda made by Campari for the Italian market. Now, what I want to talk about is the distinctive bottle design, which was designed by Fortunato De Pero in 1932. It's the same <laughs> bottle that they're still using today. We are getting close to the 100th anniversary, which I want to throw a huge party for. That will be in 2032. Okay, you're invited to a party at my house. It's 12 years away. That's probably far enough for us to all like be basically nude at the same party hopefully by then we can just be nudists but uh fortunato de perro he was a artist in the trentino region he was uh one of the founders of the futurism movement super inspiring dude he did all these amazing posters he did all this amazing artwork was uh was involved in costumes and stage productions did uh Involved with with magazine covers for Movie Maker, The New Yorker, and Vogue, and just an incredible figure of the of the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties in Italy. They are still using the bottle design. The bottle is the same. If you're buying a Campari soda, that is just fascinating. So, and the fact that futurism played a role in cocktail development. So a lot of the futurism and the futurist cocktails of the 1920s, 1930s in Italy, they had food. They had like a like a really large food uh, garnish for a lot of these. They were using like bananas as garnish, and they were making some of these uh, drinks. The garnish would be part of the drink because that was the only way you were going to get food. Uh, cubism was a big feature in this uh, in in Italian futurism, and it has to be mentioned with the Negroni because if the Negroni is one of the things that's going to change the way that Americans drink and eat, which it already has done. Futurism is a part of it all. And futurism never really, I won't say never, futurism didn't necessarily overtake uh, American culture as much as the Negroni. But it should be mentioned. And then another thing is uh, Fellini did one of the greatest Campari commercials. Fellini directed, that's right, Fellini directed a Campari TV commercial from 1984. So we will encourage you to check that out on YouTube. We'll, we'll post a link for that on our Instagram. But the Fellini Campari ad is just incredible. Yeah, it's um, pretty we won't, trippy. We won't even try to describe it because <laughs> it's just uh, some people in a train car, and we'll leave it at that. 
No, um, no, no. Like, uh, <laughs> it reminded me of like, uh, no, nah, I better not. I was going to start, I was going to bring up, uh, I was going to reference Harry Potter, but, um, Go ahead. Yeah, we, uh, no, you're not allowed. Really speak to our listeners. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Like, uh. Oh, man. Oh, God. Has it gotten that bad? We could go on and on about Campari. We could go on and on about it forever. There's a million different cocktails you can make with it as well. Kenneth, I think it's incredible because while we've talked about the West Indian origins of the Cascarilla bark, potentially the, the key component of Campari, the Negroni was, in fact, invented 1919 at Italy's Cassoni Bar when Count Camillo Negroni ordered his Americano because he was an alcoholic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> with no. one <laughs> with one part gin as well as equal parts Campari Vermouth. He's basically like, okay, I've had a tough day. Put some gin in my drink. And that's how the Negroni was born. It was like, the Americano is fine and everything, but I want gin. So put some gin in it. That was Count Negroni. I just, Kenneth, yeah, I, I put this to you. What do you know about Count Negroni? Who was this guy? Well, I guess the uh, Cafe Cassoni in Florence uh, is credited with being the first business, the, the first business, something with an LLC that made the Negroni. Just like any other fucking cocktail, Mike, if it's two or three ingredients, I cannot really say that a place invented it or anything like that. It's just like you get accredited. If you throw hold up three fingers, it doesn't mean like you invented the number three, you know? Like mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> with that said, yeah, like uh Camillo Negroni. Who is um, this guy? Yeah. He's like he's like uh I want a Americano, but no soda water. Give me some uh gin. Uh the bartender's name was uh something Scarcelli, which is great. Oh what wow. a great name. Um, wow. But, like, can you imagine? Like, I just, I, I've seen it and de- I've lived it so much, Mike. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are mostly service industry, but really cool customers or really cool guests out there that are listening to. They've always seen this guy that just starts freaking berating, berating the bartender into like making something else, something different. And, like, that's kind of how I've always looked at uh, Count. Uh, Negroni, debatably. Here's my business card. My favorite drinks on the back. Can you please make it for me? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's how I like my Negroni. It's on the back of my real estate card. There's a piece of paper on a paper clip that has my allergies on it as well. (laughs) Give that to the chef. Can you make a Mer Blanc? Yeah. Can Can you take an Americano and put gin in it? Is that possible can you do that are you capable of that fuck you that's what scarcelli probably said and then it probably had a different name and the guy just drank a shitload of them and they were like okay like it was like the cocktail of the week in the uh, in the cassoni bar and this guy just like showed up open to close and like started telling people i'll I'll buy him a drink i'll buy him my drink and boom he's taking a groaning it's my name i am negroni Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Dude, I just made the Americano stronger and better. Y'all welcome. (laughs) What a legend, potentially. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. It's over 100 years that this this guy has been a bartender troll. What's the thing we do on Booze News? Um, Hero or asshole? Is it hero or... Douchebags. Hero or douchebags? Idiot? Hero Hero or idiot. Yes. Yes. That's better. Hero or idiot? Count Negroni. I wonder. I'm calling uh, thirty seventy. His grandfather was a count. He just oh, yeah, yeah. like he he wasn't even officially a count. Do you know exactly oh, how shit. like talk like yeah, European yeah. Go, like, go like go. feudal and medieval societies worked? Like counts were kind of like in the middle class of nobility. That's how you have the word county, by the way. Like it oh, comes okay. from preach. It comes from the name count. And this guy didn't have shit, but like. <laughs> from the pictures I've seen, like a big old mustache and a hat, like his grandfather, he, I just know that this guy was just like showing up and being like, "Do you know who my grandfather is? I'll have a, I'll have, I'll have a Negroni." They're like, "What's that?" Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> it's on the back God of a business it. card. I know. Don't I be hate a prick. It. I don't like him. I don't like him. There's, there's just I can freaking perforate holes in this story and 
Oh Rip it my to God. shreds, well, there's, bro. There were some, uh, some accounts in our extensive research, along with our research associate, intern Darren, who is still still with us, even though uh, is receiving no school credit and um, has yet to find a job in the pandemic economy. But Darren helped us, shout out, nah, with our research. Lost, he found a few instances where people think Count Negroni wasn't even real. Campari, hit us up about that. Was he real? If he invented this cocktail, you know, I uh, I got to say I give him respect. All right. For our 50th episode, we went uh, we went for one of the longer episodes of Shots that we've ever done. Thanks to all our listeners out there, all our sponsors who have been there with us. Thank you to Michael Eads at We Own This Town, We Own This yeah, Town. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for our Damn, producer, I miss, Michael Eads. You, I miss you, Mike. I miss you so we much. We miss you, brother. I miss you, bro. Um, Jess Matchin, who did the lovely Liquid Gold logo, who has done amazing art, and who is going to be the cats out of the bag, Kenneth, for our 50th episode. I feel like the cats out of the bag, there's a Nashville Scene article about the new compilation to benefit Tennessee Action for Hospitality, Lost Spring, How We Cocktail Through Crisis. The word's out about that, but uh, in the Nashville Scene article that I talked to Margaret Littman and was talking about what I was working on, and the secret's out. It's the Liquid Gold book, and uh, it's something we've been working on for a while, and it's it's secrets of bartending, it's secrets to amazing recipes, as well as how far this country has come, and the inspiring things that have happened over the past 10 to 20 years, really, of people making some of these incredible ingredients, making things that we, that we, that we love and we drink, everything from insane uh, craft beer scene in America to wine in America to spirits. We're going to be talking about all of it and talking about all our favorite recipes and our favorite people in the book, Liquid Gold. We look forward to getting that out uh, next year. But the secret's out, buddy. Glad it wasn't me. Glad it was the Nashville scene. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Had to jump in here real quick. We had a little issue at the very end of our recording there. And uh, thanks for hanging in. We had a little bug noise in there that you heard. It sounded like a little cricket. We loved the episode. We wanted to, we thought about scrapping it, but we wanted to uh, leave it intact. Kenneth and I enjoying Negronis and talking about our 50th episode and Campari and all those things. So thank you for tuning in today. Wanted to throw a shout out to Upright T-Rex Music. Thanks so much to those guys for the music over the last few years. And we're coming up on our two-year anniversary, which will be towards the end of the year, middle of December, probably right in time for our Christmas episode-ish. And then uh, another little programming note, our episode that we're going to run next week is our lost episode with Andy Wedge of Momofuku Group and Bar Wayo in New York City. I was supposed to do a book event out there back in April, obviously got canceled, but Andy Wedge, we used to work with him. And he was in town this past March. I think it was March 3rd. Um, So we're all sitting in a small room with someone who just flew in from New York City. Probably was a little bit dangerous at the time. But uh, it was the last time we were all in studio together. And it'll be kind of fun to revisit that. And it it, uh, continues from the trend that we're talking about today, aperitivos. And the tradition of what do you drink before dinner? What do you drink to kind of get ready for the night, to get your palate ready, to get your stomach ready for food, to make you salivate? There's a real reason for this tradition, and uh, we love it. So we're kind of highlighting that along with Negroni Week. Check out NegroniWeek.com to see all the the lovely things they're doing for hospitality workers. Thanks to Kenneth Dedman, my co-host. My name's Mike Wolf. We will have Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth has his mic and his little studio set up now, so we'll be doing more back and forth with him, and we'll have some booze news next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time on Liquid Gold. Love you, Kenneth. I love you too, Michael. Thank you. Later, tater.